Hello, lovely people, and welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. I'm Lou Gerlach with Think Chat, and welcome to Confession 114, where we are closing out our book club experience with the expert effect. So we're going to look at how do we teach others to be experts. And this is covering pages 131 to 148 in this fabulous book. And I just want to take a moment to thank all of our Siddle Reads regulars who get up in the middle of the night or at the crack of dawn to attend from around the world. I appreciate you so much. And you make our book club what it is. So thank you for continuously returning each time for a new adventure and adding your richness um, to the experience. So let's delve into some ideas um, that are found in the last bit of this fabulous book. So a question that comes to my mind is, what is selective perfectionism? I'll be honest, I didn't know what that meant. And so I went um, hunting and I typed that question into Google. What is selective um, perfectionism? And it brought a lot of pictures to my mind. So when learners are given the space to create, oftentimes there's a side effect of this selective perfectionism. So what is it? According to the Urban Dictionary, selective um, perfectionism is when we choose to complete random tasks to perfection, but lack the ability to perfect or even attempt the other necessary tasks in life. So where do we see this play out in real life? Well, I'll give you an example from my own. Um, this past week, I had two major deadlines while battling terrible allergies. I was, I'll be honest, I slept many of the days. And when I didn't, uh, you know, when I was awake, um, I didn't have the wherewithal to really create. Um, so I just kept postponing it. And I just felt like reading a lot of Regency era novels like Pride and Prejudice to pass my time because it was a, as much cognitive capacity that I could muster. I read with perfect ability, but I couldn't muster up the energy to do the things I had to do. So why do we engage in selective perfectionism? Oftentimes the tasks we're striving to achieve are just uncertain or there are too many steps. And we get lost in that volume of the process. And as a selection perfectionist, we have the potential to get it done, but we choose not to. In other words, we become procrastinators. So how does this impact inquiry learning? Something I've learned through years of experience is that many times we procrastinate because we are overwhelmed by the process or the outcome. This will happen with your learners if each step of the process is not clearly outlined. Even then, they can get bogged down by all of those steps because they don't know how to complete them. And to circumvent this situation, we need to heavily model and guide the process as a whole group, then do it as a small group, then do individual learning situations before we release them on their own. Think like an early years teacher who must repeat and repeat and repeat steps over again until independence is achieved. 
as our learners age, it's almost an expectation that they're going to understand it in, in one uh, you know learning situation. And that's not how we process that. We know neuroscience. You need to have at least five iterations of the same concept for it to hardwire that this is important. One time's not going to handle it or, or cut it. So why should we allow our learners to connect globally? We get them past that um, selective perfectionism. We finally get them on our pathway. So why should we allow them to learn and connect locally? We've talked about many ways to connect, you know, to the local and global community. In most of this section in the book, Grayson and Zach provided ample resources of where you can connect to organizations and different industry experts that can help you and your learners to succeed. But can I be so bold? Many times the biggest obstacle is you, the educator. I'm sorry to be harsh, but I speak from personal experience. I used to hold my learners, you know, and their expertise in the classroom because I was afraid of letting them explore beyond the borders. It's just a fact. And I remember one time I had a learner who requested, you know, permission to contact a famous marine biologist in preparation for the PYP exhibition. And this was like during the year. And she was looking, she was so fascinated by the oceans and wanting to know, you know, how do we improve their health um, as we as humans, you know, dump garbage or we have oil spills or we put chemicals into the water. How do we then, you know, help protect it on a larger scale? So she, through the help of her parents, you know, we navigated that situation. I gave permission. The parents were involved, contacted that marine biologist. And wouldn't you know that marine biologist emailed them back. The look of joy. And she's like, you realize this person, like, is the top in their field. And they took the time to email me. That game changer, her whole like countenance, like shot through the roof. And that's what we're talking about because you can't have that human connection by reading a book and watching a video. It just doesn't happen. And in a recent chat I had with a group of other educators, it's that sense of wonder or awe. We have to make sure that that awe is there for them to be able to move forward and, you know, figure out what they want to do with their life and, you know, where they want to explore. The reason why so many of us are locked in that uh, kind of that circle of indecision, because we didn't have those opportunities to gauge when we were younger. Now, there are many networks that exist that help learners to connect with experts. You just need to find the right ones that fit for you as well as your learners. Now, as we always do, we you know, we do some reflective practice of main takeaways um, from any type of book club experience. Here are mine. Is that reaching beyond the borders of your classrooms is where application happens. It just is. And when 
we engage with real experts in various fields. It helps you and your learners get a bigger picture of how the world works. You know, we learn to question in this process, engage in academic language, learn how to interview somebody and reflect on learning experiences and how then does it connect to my own life. All of that, if you teach in a public school, state school, that's all standards. And so why not make this a natural part of your process? But more importantly, my friends, these are necessary skills for thinking human beings. And as a fifth grade teacher, I'm seeing the connections between these experiences and preparing for the PYP exhibition. And before the pandemic, I will agree, it was hard connecting. There were a lot of constraints. But now on the other side, we have no excuses. None. And if it were me, I'd I would, though, start small. I'd be focusing on experts within my local community that I could still Zoom with to build up, you know, that experience and also have some come into the classroom or go to them if that's affordable for you. Some of us are in situations that's not. But start at your local level. But then you don't drive the experience. You let your learners help co-pilot the experience, eventually taking complete ownership of it because that's what a thinking young person does. And that's how they learn. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about a companion to the expert effect that is called the expert expedition. Zach and Grayson, um, enlisted um, the talent of Soraya Ali Ahmed to create the illustrations. And I was fortunate to be a beta reader for this beautiful book. From the inception, I just felt so connected to this book. The lyrical writing and the drawings just take you to a, a magical place. And I wanna share with you my favorite excerpt from the book. And it starts from the beginning. So here we go. Are you ready? I know you are. It says, welcome, dear learners. We know why you're here. You're chasing adventure like a brave buccaneer, sailing the high seas and surfing the web, searching for answers from Algiers to Zagreb. No, nothing can stop you. You're a kid on a mission. And it's finally time for your big expedition. You're not after riches like silver and gold. The thing that you seek can't be bought or be sold. Yes, you're after knowledge. There's so much to know. It's worth more than treasure in a ship's cargo hold. So off you must go with your sails flown unfurled. To get the whole story, go out into the world. Ah, and you should see the illustrations that go with this. Ah, beautiful. It just speaks of inquiry and agency and ah, this book, it's so magical. You need to get a copy of this book. 
the expert expedition if you haven't already uh, on Amazon I get no proceeds I just love this book so now I'm making a personal connection to this whole experience of connecting to local and global inquiry and I want to think about um, or I'm applying this I should say to our trip around the globe and to my global audience, I just want to thank you again for enriching my life via social media and our Siddle Reads book club, um, through emails. I mean, I get so much positive affirmation throughout the week that I don't really think I deserve, but it's so wonderful to receive. I'm just sharing my ideas trying to make the world a little better place. And that's what we want for our learners, right? And so let's stay connected because we're more we're stronger together than we are apart. And over the next 2 years, I've made certain connections for myself. I hope to engage with you virtually, but I also want to meet many of you in person. I plan to travel around the world meeting like-minded educators and sharing ideas. I'm starting this fall. I'm going to begin this journey in Europe. I'll be participating in an IB Continuum Math Conference at the International School of Stuttgart. And I'm going to be going around Europe. And so if your school is interested in participating in a professional development with me while I'm in the area, just let me know. Email me at thinkchat2020 at gmail.com. I'm going to be in the region from roughly um, beginning of November to about mid-December. Ooh, so excited. I Because travel, what's that, right? Um, besides going in my own country. Now, the rest of the world, I'm still coming for you. In the meantime... I have some reflections about the five um, top places with the greatest listeners. Um, this is a one point in time, but I'm always curious um, to see if I have a personal connection time to time of different places that are listening. And once again, I do. Top city, Melbourne, Australia. And if you followed my podcast journey, you know how much I love this place. It's a place where I learned that public relations was not for me and that I wanted to become an educator. And little did I know that every you know couple days as I was going to my work experience and passing Wesley College, that it would leave an impact. It would build curiosity in me to wonder and it planted a seed that has blossomed over these years. Second city, Mumbai, India. The people of India have always fascinated me um, with its rich culture, of course your history, of course I can't be remiss without Bollywood films, okay, I'm just saying, Amir Khan, I sort of have a picture with me and a poster of him when I was in India. Okay, 
and like maybe some kissy motion was going to him because at that time he was everything to me. And of course, I love the food, ah, especially like a good tali dinner. But it's more than that, as we know about a culture. And while living in Dubai, I had the pleasure of interacting on a daily basis with people from India. And I learned so much about the nuances of your beautiful country. But I unfortunately, I only got to see certain regions and I didn't have the chance to visit Mumbai, but it's on my list. And I'm grateful to have built a lasting friendship with Vidya. Many of you saw, follow social media, you know who I, exactly I'm talking about. And I can't wait to visit her in Tamil Nadu. Um, ugh, just love her. Now the third place, Singapore. I've traveled through this lovely island country many times, and I've had a chance to venture around the city sites and the water, or as the Arabs would say, Corniche. You know, it's amazing to see the east meets west um, in this mighty nation. And I really do hope to return someday soon um, and spend more time there because it felt just like a popover. The fourth, Hanoi, Vietnam. I have yet to visit Vietnam, but I have friends that live in Ho Chi Minh City. So I know that Hanoi is a happening within the next year. So whoop, whoop, I can't wait. And then number five, another Australian city, Brisbane. Love you, Brizzy. Um, you're the one spot next to, I would say, Dar. well, no, not one spot, but uh, I didn't get to go to Brizzy, I didn't get to go to Darwin, and I didn't get to go to Perth. So you're on my list. I have, man, I have a, uh, a mate that I met in New York when we were both nannies, and she's, uh, she's uh, a Brit who's married an Aussie, and boom, 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 you know, and I just cannot wait to see her. So Caroline, love you. Can't wait to see you soon. I can't wait to come back to the country that made me feel so at home and find myself. And I'm just feeling like a trip back to Oz is long overdue. Ironically, number six was Sydney. So I'm going to check you in for um, my adventures to Oz as well. So get ready, uh, uh, Australia, I'm coming for you. Thank you for joining the journey of the expert effect. I look forward to exploring new ideas and worthy reads in the upcoming months and years. And be sure to follow the authors of this fabulous book on Twitter. Um, you can look at for Grayson McKinney. He's at G-M-C-K-I-N-N-E-Y-2. And Zach Rondo, and his Twitter handle is at Mr. Rondo, R-O-N-D-O-T. So it's been wonderful chatting with you. I know that you are going to make the expert effect happen in your classrooms or else you wouldn't be here. So have a wonderful day and see you in our next episode.